Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app, whether it's Apple or Android. You can also find us on Dash Radio every day at 7 p.m. Download the Dash Radio app for free. Search for Nothing But Net. And again, it's 7 p.m. Eastern. My new show on OnSideRadio.com is every day from 10 a.m. until noon. Covered more than just the Miami Heat, although we do a lot of heat there as well. And sometimes I save some stuff for the morning. So make sure you check that out at 10 a.m. Five reasons where you can find all the latest Miami heat, Miami dolphins, Miami Marlins. Um, what else? Inner Miami CF. We cover just about everything at five reasons It's free. And we're going to talk about a piece that was on there this week on that show. And also the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. We appreciate all they do for us. Most of them are local, including our friend, Louis Peters, he just saved me a bunch of money on car insurance, uh, more than $300 over six months by just doing the due diligence. That's what he does. He's at State Farm and he's at an agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States. More than 60 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. These are local agents that understand South Florida's unique market. They've got access 24-7 at louispeters.com. That's L-U-I-S. Peters.com, or you can walk in. It's at 7750 Southwest 117th Avenue, Suite 207 in Miami. Again, that's 7750 Southwest 117th Avenue, or you can call 305-275-5585. That's 305-275-5585. Personalized service tailored to each customer, no cookie cutter solutions, and plenty of heat and dolphins talk. Our guy, Mr. Peters, is a big fan of both. So, again, check it out, louispeters.com. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reason Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here's today's floor plan. I've got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. No Greg Sylvander. We gave him the night off tonight. He is replaced. Uh, we'll see probably not indefinitely, but certainly for this evening by Marco Romo. You can follow him at Marco underscore Romo on Twitter. He just joined us here at the Five Reasons Sports Network and had a couple of pieces up on the site. We're going to talk about at least one of them today, maybe two. Um, Marco, let's start here. What kind of inspired you to to write about Duncan Robinson and maybe the part of the game that we don't talk about that much with him? Uh, really what inspired me has been the fact that he's been finishing more games than he had last year. Because last year, it, it was very noticeable how many like times he got into foul trouble and how many times he would get subbed out and how many times people would just clamor for, for him to be subbed out because he was such like a negative defender. He was never uh, terrible, but he's not. He wasn't also a plus defender. I think he got better as the season went on, but I feel like this year he's like taking a kind of a bigger step for him. But I, I think he keeps getting smarter, and that's what you just want from a guy that whose limitations are mostly athletically, but he still has the length and the height, you know, to you know to pretty much still make sort of an impact but he doesn't need to make too much of an impact really he's such a lethal offensive weapon that anything he gives you on the other end is a plus and if it's as competent as it's been this year so far it's a plus that you're gonna you're gonna need 
for like the future pretty much yeah well let, let's get into specifically and then i want alex to jump in here um you were you were mentioning again a lot some of the positional stuff and all of that but the numbers defensively are not bad this year right i mean even on a team that hasn't been particularly good on that end yeah i was actually surprising to me at the numbers and the the duo one especially because I expected for those numbers to be mostly because of Bam, but when you look at the numbers, they're it's not really with Bam as much as you would have thought. It's mostly with guys like Avery Bradley or Goran, and there is the Jimmy thing, but Jimmy has barely played. So you still look at the numbers, you're like, wow, they're even better than the eye test. But I don't put too much stock in the numbers because I'm never a defensive numbers guy, but they still tell you a story. Yeah, and honestly, I. I think Duncan has been a more well-rounded player on both ends of the floor this year. And obviously, you know, he not he was limited last year. We know that what he is as a player. He, he's extremely, extremely good at what he does, but he's limited. And I think so he's added stuff in the sense that, uh, you know, guys will overplay him on offense and he'll start adding stuff, uh, you know, whether it's turning the handoff into a pick and roll and trying to collapse the defense after guys play him off the three. But now on the defensive end, like Marco's talking about, he's just kind of sharpened his game there like I think the IQ has always been there with Duncan but now like he's out there on defense and he's really on a string like he's really a part of the team defense and he's doing whatever they need and I think he really understands it at a higher level than he did for most of last season he's doing a little bit of everything and obviously you know the the physical limitations are always going to be there it just is what it is with Duncan but he's done a good job making himself not look like one of their worst one of their worst defenders on the team like he was last year I think like he's out there and he's not actively hurting your defense. I think kind of the key with them is figuring out lineups where you're not necessarily playing too many of their subpar defenders all at once. And, and you talked about that last year where it's like, you're okay with two. You're not okay with three. So it kind of, that's the line. Yeah. Right. So, so it kind of depends again on, you know, who we consider a subpar defender. I mean, I think it's, it's fair to say that Goron, even though he competes, the numbers have always suggested, you know, subpar defender, none, Kind of a similar situation there. Hero, you know, again, he looked eye test with Hero is better. Sometimes the analytics are not. Uh, Kelly, sort of the same thing. And then, you know, you take a look at at, at Duncan, and and I think you hit on Marco the, the key point here. It's not it's not just kind of what we saw last year, where for instance, like Boston, like they went to Gordon Hayward and isolated him on him, you know, constantly down the stretch, where it was like Eric couldn't play, you know, Duncan. Um, it's, it's not just that it's, it's kind of, you know, can he be competent enough to avoid the fouls, which again, take him out of his offensive game and then change the whole course of the rotation for Spolstra during the game. He's avoided more of those fouls this year. I feel like some of the heats, I wouldn't say complaining, but they're kind of pointing it out constantly last year has probably helped. Uh, but what is the baseline? Like for you, Marco, like to say that he can be, a crunch time contributor in every game. Okay. Not we're going to spot him with Iguodala, maybe offense, defense. Like what is the bait? Does he just have to be average? Is, is that the baseline? Uh, yeah. I think the baseline is average. Uh, a guy I mentioned in the piece, uh, JJ Reddick, who he kind of be became a average defender in like Philadelphia and they could keep him on the court pretty much with Joel and Ben Simmons. But then, then there came a point where his height pretty much it, it they had to take him out. It was a series against Boston, I remember. They put Jason Tatum on him, similar to what they did to, to what they did to Duncan, pretty much. 
but it, he he was way too short. That's the thing that Duncan has over a guy like Reddick is his height. Yep. He can compete at a way higher level than that. And yeah, the baseline is average. And Duncan, that's all he needs. I- anything above that is gravy for you for you after that. Yeah, I think Marco's right here. I think he's got a point. I think the Duncan thing, like he's got so much more height and length than JJ Reddick. And I think it's actually a really, really good example besides the fact that they're both such similar players with similar skill sets. I think that actually the Reddick thing actually kind of connects back to what I was saying before about, you know, not having too many bad defenders at once. I recall like during the, that that best team that Reddick was a part of with Philadelphia, it was he was frequently playing in lineups with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Jimmy Butler. And, you know, three absolutely elite defenders at their positions. And I think that's kind of a model that the Heat need to follow as far as uh, trying to optimize some of their subpart guys and getting back to that whole concept of uh, finding the two-way balance in the rotations. But I do think that Duncan leap on defense, I mean, I'm not calling it a leap. I don't know why, but, you know, it's an improvement. It's an improvement. And the bar was low. Yes, that's fine. But him being able to be playable on defense is kind of an important uh, and significant improvement from last year. And now, now let's talk about the long term when it comes to this, because, you know, when we were talking about players you include in a trade for Harden or something or Beal, you know, one of the things that comes up is, well, are you planning on paying Duncan anyway? Because you're not planning on paying Duncan 18 to 20 million dollars, which is where I think it's going to come in. If you look at where Bertans came in, some of the other shooters have come in. Duncan, to me, is a more well-rounded player than Bertans. I think you can get more out of him ultimately. And, and, and I think in the Heat system, ultimately, he will be better. Um, but you've got to make a decision because if you're not going to pay Duncan that kind of money, then you can include him in a trade. Uh, Alex, I mean, you've talked about sort of the importance he has to them offensively. The on-off numbers are staggering in terms of the difference when he plays and when he doesn't on the offensive end. To you, is he in the current context of where the Heat are from a cap perspective, where they're going, Jimmy and Bam as max players uh, and everything else that they have going on? Is Duncan Robinson or you an eight? If you an eighteen to twenty million dollar player playing at this level, um, can he get to that level at eighteen to twenty? And and or is he a player that you include in a trade? Perhaps. I think all those options are there. I think I kind of lean towards keeping Duncan. I think he's the type of guy that you keep when you're trying to be a win now team. He fits right into the timeline of fitting alongside Jimmy and Bam. The chemistry is obviously there. They've already figured out just how to make him into an incredible offensive weapon that frankly, I think was the biggest reason their offense was top seven for pretty much all of last season. And, you know, they've obviously not been as good so far on offense this year. And it's got a lot to do with not being healthy, not having continuity, et cetera, all the other intangibles we've talked about, but Duncan is kind of what makes them go. And he's still been as consistent as ever. And like I said before, I think he's added small stuff to his game at little counters that I think, you know, we talked about over the past year or so that that will help, especially in the playoffs when guys start running him off the line. But even besides that, like, I just think he's still on like around 40, uh, 45% from three at around eight attempts a game, which is pretty much what he did last year. And that was, you know, the best catch and shoot season of all time. I think it's hard to understate just how good Duncan is at what he does. Right. And as limited as he is in other parts of the floor, like, I just think, he is essential to what the Heat want to do, especially when you talk about the context of the Heat's two best players, Jimmy and Bam. And I know Bam has developed a nice little mid-range jump shot here, but he is essential to their spacing. Like, they need him to create spacing. I know he's not their best shooter. I just think, like, 
they've turned him into somebody who has become essential to them being a finals contender. I think you take him off this team and they're, it, it just, it makes a huge difference to what they want to do. And so because of that, I say you pay him, I say you pay him and, and make it work with a championship type team, you know, a championship contending type team. And if it, you know, uh, if you think that there's somebody out there who will absolutely make this team way better, I don't know, a Bradley Beal, for example, then maybe you trade him then, but I don't think you trade him just to trade him because of money. Marco, you pay him or you deal him? Uh, I think it, it's all about the price. Like, what what's the price you're paying? Like, what type of player are you getting back? Are you getting back a superstar or a guy that you know is going to take you to the to the other level? And if if it's not there, then I think you keep him, especially for uh, this year for a team that's supposedly a win now team. I think you keep him. It it's going to depend on the price, but he he bends the off the defenses to his whim pretty much when he's out there he opens up so much for your other guys that if you lose that central part of your offense especially in the middle of a year where you have no idea who's going to be out there that if you lose just one piece like that it might cause like you might have to change your whole offensive system pretty much in the middle of the year so i think for the right price it has to be a guy that you know will pretty much take you back to the finals because duncan already took you there so it's not like you're going to question if he's going to take you back there, especially with the guys that you have around you improving. See, this is, I'm with you guys on this and, and this is where, you know, I think we've got to make a distinction. I, I, I don't believe in overpaying your own guys that you develop simply because you develop them, which is, you know, the place that sort of the, the heat got into, you know, with Whiteside, but more so maybe Tyler Johnson and, you know, a player who was, as we've seen, because Tyler has bounced around the league since, you know, a good player, but eminently replaceable. Um, I don't think that you give out that kind of money in that term, in those terms. But when you have someone and you mention this, uh, both of you have hit on the points. Marco, the idea is I think they would have to change their entire offense without him. So that's the first part. And the second part, Alex, he was historically great. Like this is not like Tyler Johnson where, okay, he became, you know, a, a serviceable rotation player. I mean, this is a guy who actually did things that Clay Thompson hasn't done. I don't think he was play on offense last year, pretty much. And I know Clay does a little bit more as far as scoring, but the shooting stuff, he he was clay. Yeah. And so I I don't think that you replace clay. And again, defensively, even as what we're talking about, the improvement here, he's not going to be clay, but as long as he's playable defensively, then I do think that you have to keep him. And I do think you have to pay him. And that's what I've heard all along that the heat are going to do. And I don't really think that the price tag of say 18 million or more, will scare them that much because I think that's what they've anticipated was going to happen ever since the breakout last year. So I think that's where it's headed. We'll talk about it some more. Check out the article that Marco wrote on the website. He's also got one up there about Kaziak Paula, the curious case of Kaziak Paula. That's going to be a, a pod topic for another day. When we come back, we're going to talk about Lonzo Ball. Before we do, though, we'll tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That's our friend, Dr. Jonathan Chung. You can find him at Keystone Chiropractic and Neuroplasticity. They're focused there on low-force spinal adjustments and brain-based rehabilitation. They get great results with post-concussion syndrome, dizziness and vertigo, headaches, and chronic neck and back pain. A lot of chiropractors and therapists want to see you 
three times a week for months, but Keystone has a, has a treatment philosophy of doing just enough to get you back to a normal life again. They're now offering virtual rehab visits. Again, everybody's concerned about COVID. They use video conferencing. He's up in Wellington, but he can treat you by video conference. Research shows that patients getting a supervised telemedicine rehab program can be just as effectively treated as an in-person visit for many pain conditions. Mention five reasons. You get a free 15-minute video or phone consultation. And you'll save 50% off your first virtual rehab session. Again, it's chiropractickeystone.com. The Twitter handle is Dr. Jonathan Chung. No H in the Jonathan. All right. Let's get to the second part of this. Um, I feel like, Marco, we have a couple of people in our network, and you're new to it. Ricky J. Mark's been leading this one, I feel like, for the past month on our, our, on our streams on the YouTube channel that are on the Lonzo Ball train. And I've been hearing for a little while that, Griffin was open to moving him um, again, you know, both David Griffin and, and Jeff and excuse me, Stan Van Gundy have been on this podcast. So uh, there is some knowledge kind of, of what they do. I know both guys reasonably well from covering the league. Um, and I thought that the Lonzo ball thing was going to work for Stan because, you know, he had Jameer Nelson for a long time, but he's kind of expressed a preference for bigger point guards, defensive point guards. It's not working that well. And then Shams had a report today that essentially said, they're accepting calls on the two of them that they're getting calls and they're not turning them down. I have actually heard it's more ag aggressive, um, you know, in terms of what being willing to move, uh, you know, whether it's a, a Bledsoe or a ball or, or, or some of the other guys on the roster or JJ Redick um, that they, they are willing to sort of move on from some of these guys. And they've actually offered Lonzo around uh, Marco. Why do you like the fit with Miami? Uh, I don't think it's much as a fit as it is. I like the idea of this being another reclamation project. It's similar to the Jake Crowder thing last year, especially with Lonzo shot uh, being as like bad as it is this year. Cause last year he was shooting decent from three point land. And I was like, this is a guy Miami needs a guy who can uh, defend the point of attack. He's a, he's a guy that thrives with emotion offense. I mean, he would fit in seamlessly with a team like this. Because he, all he thinks about is the next pass and who's open, who's the next guy to get the ball to. Uh, but he's, I've always liked his game, like in terms of the way he sees the floor. Uh, uh, similar to his brother, Lamella, I'm also in love with him. But uh, they're both, I just think he fit in really well with the offensive system. And the defense is just a, a, a plus. But again, you're worried about that shot. But again, I, I'd hope it's another Jake Crowder situation where you get the best out of him. Where so funny, yeah. Keep going. No, that was that was about it. Where you, I, it's funny that you mentioned Jake Crowder because I'm looking at I'm, I've been looking through uh, you know Lonzo's numbers here and the, the three point shot. You know, you mentioned he was he was a lot better at it last year. He was at about 37 percent from three at six attempts a game. He's jacked up the attempts to about. A little bit over seven a game, but his percentage is down to 29, which is not great. But I think Jay Crowder being brought up here is interesting because of Jay Crowder's willingness to shoot the ball uh, before coming to Miami. And then that being kind of a, a big, a big reason as to why he was so much more impactful, especially in a playoff setting than Myers Leonard on both ends of the floor is because he's willing to shoot more often. And, you know, he's going to be the recipient in a similar set in a similar way to uh, Jay of a lot of, you know, really open shots that I think get developed. Like, I mean, listen, if you put him there in a starting lineup next to Jimmy Bam and Duncan, he's going to get those same wide open shots. And I think he could hit some of them. I don't think he's some knockdown shooter by any means, but I agree with everything Margo said there. 
hundred percent. He would, he would be a great fit in the motion offense. He's got great vision. He's a very good defender. Uh, he's a very good rebounder for his position, even though that's taking a weird dip this year, I guess that's got more to do with Steven Adams being there. But uh, I think Lonzo, like if you can get him for a, a, a decent price is, you know, trade wise, I think that would be a really nice option actually. All right, well, let's get into some of the contractual issues here and then kind of what a trade might look like, right? So there are a couple of impediments that I see. Uh, one of them is that he's represented by Clutch, which I don't believe that the Heat have actually done any business that's led to anything with Clutch since LeBron left. Um, I Maybe someone will correct me on that. Dion? Uh, was Dion with Clutch initially, though? Dion went to Clutch, didn't he, while he was here? I'll have, I'll have to look. I don't think his original contract was through clutch. Is that from what I recall? I'll, I'll look it up, but that would be the only one. I mean, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, Norris was clutch, right? But he was gone already. Um, but clutch keeps picking up players around the league. If, if people aren't familiar with clutch, that's LeBron's agency. It's Rich Paul. Um, as you know, that things didn't go so well in 2014. There was a lot of bad blood. The Heat deal with all kinds of different agents. They have some agents like a Mark Bartlestein or a Bill Duffy. A lot of people know the history there that they have, you know, better relationships with, um, you know, Bernie Lee, Jimmy Butler's agent. They have a good relationship with, I mean, they have good relationships with most agents. Uh, Clutch is not one of them that seems to be in that category. They did with Henry Thomas too, of course, the late Henry Thomas until some, you know, some stuff went bad with Dwayne at the end because he also had uh, Udonis Haslam and, and Chris Bosh. Um, so that's one thing. The, the second thing on this is, uh, just looking at the contract, so he's up uh, and again. Alex, correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, he's up in at the end of this year. He's making 11 million this season. He would be due a qualifying offer. Is that basically right, or or where where are they in terms of extension? Is that even an option? So I don't know anything about extension talks. It doesn't seem like there's traction there. I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, but his contract situation, yeah, he's got a qualifying offer after the season and with meaning for next season. And I think, uh, I don't think it's been extended yet. Like it's been yeah, extended actually, I, actually, Alex, I should have asked. I, should, I just found it. So late December. Um, now this, I recall this, he did not, they did not agree to an extension by the deadline, um, right before the season. So essentially that sort of opened a lot of this up. So I just wanted to be clear on that. So there, there is no extension forthcoming at this point. So he's basically talking about qualifying offer or, essentially restricted free agent yeah yeah it sounds like that's if so if they do give him that qualifying offer he's a restricted free agent if not he's unrestricted right that's that's how it yes, goes yes. Mm -hmm. yep. uh and yeah so that's a situation after after the season he's up for 11 million right now and yeah so it's kind of a question mark for next season i think that's a pretty good contract situation for the heat if you're trying to strike a trade especially with some of those other guys there on the heat and their contracts but you got to give some kind of value because he's he's in the last year of his deal, right? So if Griff is going to move him, uh, and if if Griffin and Stan are going to move him, then essentially, you know, they're not just going to move him for ex another expiring for a player that they can't really use this year in a year that they've started poorly, also, right? And they're also potentially maybe moving Reddick also, you know, along with Ball, uh, maybe not in the same trade, maybe in a different trade, but that's been a possibility. I mean, what do you think? I'll let either of you guys jump in on this. Like, what do you think would even be attractive to the Pelicans on this roster? Is, is it start again with the same guy we always talk about, Kendrick Nunn, maybe, and then make the contracts match? I, I think if you're Miami, you hope that uh, this is 
kind of a similar situation to Miami had with Justice, where it was a similar, you know, qualifying offer. His contract was going to be up. You seem to have moved on from him pretty much. And you hope that you get him for as cheap as you did, as you gave away Justice for, for like expiring contracts. You'd hope it'd just take you a nun plus Solinic or something along those lines, maybe like a second rounder or something. I'd imagine they probably ask for a first. If you're Miami, that's probably the biggest question you're going to want to answer is, are you willing to give up a first for a guy you might not have in the long run? Or are you willing to cough that up for him? Well, and that's the other thing, Alex. So is Lonzo Ball the type of player that, because I think most Heat fans, again, you know, I feel like not everybody's in on Kendrick at this point, even with, you know, the numbers being so much better over the past five games. I feel like most Heat fans would say, okay, for a shot at a guy who was a top five pick, who was somebody that it was pretty open that Riley coveted him before the draft, mm-hmm. um, that they that they really liked him, that, you know, giving up a guy, you know, and say Kendrick Nunn, if even New Orleans was interested in him, and I don't know, you know, Stan's feelings for him. I was trying to remember what he said about him on the pod he was on with us. Um, but, like, I, I feel like... <laughs> if they were interested in none, that certainly it would make some sense for Riley to do this, but it's not just a one year thing then. Right. So is, is, is ball someone that you would want to extend if you're in Miami? And here's the other thing. Um, Pat Riley's dealt with a lot of strong personalities over the years. I really don't know if he wants to inject what, you know, LeVar ball into the organization, which is the other part of this. I mean, is, I don't know, is Lonzo a guy that you want to, you want to pony up a long-term contract for? So the the Lavar thing is a complete external factor that I have no clue how the Heat feel about and how that weighs into their math of whether or not they want to trade for him. But as far as basketball and as far as his contract situation, I think you uh, that might be a risk worth taking. I don't know how much uh, he might want as a free agent. I think that's definitely important, like to know more or less the ballpark range of what he expects and what you think he can contribute on your team. You kind of have to know if it'll match. I think that's something you got to weigh in is if you're the heat, if you're, if you're thinking about trading for him, but just off of what we know, like, I think he's somebody that'd be a really nice fit for the heat for the reasons we talked about before and probably would be somebody worth extending maybe, you know, a year or two at a, at a price slightly higher than what he's at now, which is $11 million. Like, I think he could be a positive player on a team like the heat. I just think we haven't even mentioned the stuff with the Pelicans yet, as far as what's gone wrong. And look, Stan Van Gundy is a really good coach. He's obviously got, uh, you know, accolades. He's, he's a very good coach, right? I've ever since before the season, I've just had a lot of questions about them and how that starting five would work. And it just has not worked whatsoever. Lonzo's, uh, you know, analytics have taken a dip as well. Like all of it is just a little bit weird, you know, starting Bledsoe and Lonzo together after signing Steven Adams, uh, you know, there's just like what Brandon Ingram is your best shooter and you need Bledsoe and Lonzo to jack up shots to create spacing because you have Steven Adams and Zion both doing their thing in the paint and Zion kind of refusing to take anything outside the paint as far as shot attempts. Like, I just don't see that formula unless, you know, you're going to live in transition, which is easier said than done. I mean, said than done. Right. And I think like trading for Lonzo and then thinking about re-signing him, extending him, whatever, has to do with how well you project him to play with the Heat. And I think that's kind of where I feel good about it. I think he'd be a good fit. I just don't know how much you'd be willing to pay him and how many years he wants because I don't know, man. Like, I wouldn't give him three or four years right now unless he just really, really stands out with the Heat. 
See, I see. I th I think they might, and, and I I think that you mentioned it at the beginning, Marco. This is the 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 exact type of reclamation project that they like. Like it's, you know, a player with clear upside talent. It reminds me a little bit of the Jamal Mashburn situation in Dallas, which is going to probably predate both of you. But I mean, Jamal came in top five pick and he just, you know, they had some personal stuff. There was a Tony Braxton involved and some other stuff like that, but the three J's okay. With Jason Kidd and Jimmy Jackson in Dallas, and it just wasn't working out. And, you know, Pat had a piece and Kurt Thomas and he traded him to get Jamal and Jamal ended up being, I mean, it didn't pan out the way that everybody hoped, but he was basically, you know, the third star, so to speak, on on some very, very competitive, you know, heat teams in the late 90s. Um, I, I fe this feels a little like that. He's about the same age Jamal was at that point. I feel like in some cases, this is a question of fit. Um, with Jamal, there were some injury issues. You know, Lonzo's had some injury issues too. I mean, not as much last year, but the first two years with the Lakers. And I, I do think they believe they could fix him. Now, the one thing I was told that the caution here is, you got to put everything in the context of who their max players are. Now we talk about how Bam has developed a mid-range jumper, but again, I don't know that you want Bam playing out there all the time. And I don't know that a backcourt, if say, you know, Jimmy was in the backcourt with him, I know it's a little bit positionless, but a backcourt you know, from a shooting perspective of ball and Jimmy um, is ideal. Even if you have, you know, one of Duncan Robinson or Tyler hero out there with them. I mean, I'll, I'll go to you, Marco. I mean, is, would you be concerned because Jimmy's going to be here and Jimmy is obviously not a, has not been a plus outside shooter in Miami thus far. Are you concerned about putting Lonzo ball next to Jimmy? Cause when I talked to somebody about this today in the organization, that was mentioned to me. Uh, I think it's kind of similar uh, not to bring him back to justice again, but what they did last it. year with justice. <laughs> yeah. But it's similar to what they did last year with whenever he was healthy, they, they uh, start him and he would pretty much be Lonzo. He, you'd live he'd even better because Justice wasn't as much of a volume shooter as Lonzo is. Uh, this is a, a point I think Seth Partnow makes really well. Sometimes it's more about the gravity and the perception teams have of you instead of the, just the percentages. Because even, even when Justice was hitting his shots, they weren't, he wasn't like chucking them up. He was shooting about three or four a game and defenses wouldn't de uh, like defend him. Like they probably would Alonzo. I think you could live with it uh, as long as I think Alonzo didn't give up in his confidence to shoot it. And you know, if he, fun, and if he gained his confidence, it's just, it's just a plus pretty much. But, but Marco, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I think you make a great point in the justice comparison. And I think it actually, counters my desire to make this move because they sort of gave up on the justice Jimmy thing. And it wasn't just because of justice's injuries. Like it became pretty clear that in a lot of ways, justice was sort of Jimmy light. And if you remember when justice had like the breakout game early in the year, it was when Jimmy didn't play. Um, it was, in, you know, tw and we never got to see them together all that much, but I don't think there was a lot of confidence even on the players on the roster that that was going to work. And so Alex, just to pivot to you here before we close, like that would, that would be my concern is like trying the justice. And I, look, Lonzo ball has higher upside than justice Winslow, in my opinion. Okay. Um, but you're, you're sort of, you're sort of trying to replace something that I think at least the heat decided last year was not really, it wasn't worth them sticking through some of the other stuff with justice to get to, because they didn't really know if it was going to work offensively. 
Yeah, I, you know, you know how much I love Justice. I've always been a fan of his and his game and what, you know, the type of player he was growing into before everything happened last season with him. Uh, honestly, I think it's a good comparison. They're both similar players in the, in the sense that, you know, they have similar flaws, similar strengths. The, the, to me, the difference is Lonzo is more fit for a motion offense than Justice was. I think not, obviously Justice was more than happy to move the ball around, but I think Justice was most comfortable operating out of pick and roll and, you know, kind of finding the passes from there. And I think Lonzo doesn't have to necessarily be in that role to, to you know, find impact as a playmaker on the ball. Like, I think he can, he can go to him to initiate sets. You can go to him to be kind of the connector in a set as a ball mover or, you know, whatever you want to use him as. I feel like he's a little bit more versatile that way. And I still like Justice as a prospect a lot, by the way. Probably a little bit better than Lonzo when they're both healthy. Just because of the size, I think Justice could probably guard more positions for, you know, one through four. But I think Lonzo would be a little bit more of a better fit on offense. I think the finishing is a question, again, similar to Justice. But, uh, you know, I think, and again, similar to Justice, both of those guys would be, solid rotation players who I think would be in your final eight in the playoffs, final nine, whatever Spo decides to run. But I'm just not sure about the closing. I think it's it's he'll be another one of those guys where it just kind of depends on the night, right? Depends on the matchup and depends on how he's going that night. You're not 100% sure if he's going to be in that closing lineup. But they do have elite shooting, right? So mm -hmm. if you do right. want to find a way to make that fit work, they've got some really good ways to try to make it work. And I think Lonzo, like, especially because of the trade price, it might just be worth it. I mean, we haven't even talked about KZ, by the way. I think KZ might have to be the guy to go along with Kendrick Dunn. I, I, I think that's a real possibility. And I think with the, sort of the sporadic way that they use KZ, that may be something they end up doing. We haven't mentioned Dragic at all, but I actually think Dragic and, and they Ball, could use a shooting big, by the way, the, right, the Pelicans. No, no, that's true. But Dragic and Ball, I think, would be a really good fit together, actually. So if you're going to play some of that, I think, you know, here, you know, hero and ball uh, hero yeah right so so I, I think there's there are a couple of good fits uh there potentially all right check out marco's work on our website also check him out on twitter at marco underscore romo.com the other thing we wanted to mention uh not i'm excuse me not.com just marco underscore uh romo and one thing we did want to mention also they're doing some really cool stuff with prize picks this week if you haven't signed up go to prizepicks.com use the code five I'm having a bad night because I decided to go over on both uh, Oladipo and John Collins for points, and John Collins gave me nothing tonight. But make sure you check it out. Maybe you'll do better. Um, throw $10 down and just give it a shot. You can uh, basically – this is the best daily fantasy game going, and a lot of our guys have gotten sort of addicted to it. So as long as you can maintain it and do it under control, it's a whole lot of fun. So go to prizepicks.com. Use the code 5. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.